This is Viterbi Voices. Coming to you from the University of Southern California, Viterbi School of Engineering. We're here to give you the inside scoop on research, classes, student life, and so much more. All of these shared by students, faculty, alumni, and other members of the USC community. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Viterbi Voices. I am one of your co-hosts. My name is Paul Ledesma. I'm the Executive Director of Undergraduate Admission here at the USC Viterbi School of Engineering. And hello again, everyone. My name is Maya. I am a junior this year studying industrial systems engineering, and I'm the other co-host. Well, Maya, it is officially the beginning of September. Uh, how is school treating you so far? I mean, I know it's a little unfair. We're recording this a little early, but... Uh, <laughs> No, school is awesome. Yeah, I just finished my first week. It is a Friday after that first syllabus week. So everything is so good so far. I actually have like all of my classes are pretty much in the same building, which is a little bit interesting. But um, every class is in the same building. It's and it's in Caprillion, which isn't the nicest building on campus. I'm like, (laughs) I I could, I am missing like Fertitta or like the other side of the campus, but um, it's very convenient to get to my classes. It's like four minutes. You're just going to walk in another, but I bet you get bored of like being in the same building over and over again. A little bit. Yeah. I have to take, take the long way on my bike, go around, (laughs) see, see people on Truesdale. Well, being over there, that means you're going to have a really intimate understanding of the construction of Ginsburg Hall, though. Like you're watching that kind of happen and you're going to see that go up over time. That giant yeah. hole in the wall that's or hole in the ground that's over there. That's actually that's a great point. Um, yeah, I also I am, I uh, got to know the tennis courts the other day. I had yeah. no idea they were back there. So that was pretty cool. There's also a and I have to go check it. I don't know if it's still there, but there's also kind of a secret passage. If you go back behind Caprillion, behind the tennis courts, you can sneak back and get to the other side of campus without anyone. No way. Okay. That that's my, that's my task for next week. And little fun fact over there, there's a little pocket, like this little like fenced off area of like, um, it looks like satellite equipment Mm -hmm. that's there. Um, that is the official weather station for the city of Los Angeles. No way. And so if you go back there, you can see it. Like whenever anybody, all the news says like in Los Angeles and downtown LA, it's this weather. That's exactly where you are. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so is that, just, that for the city of LA or like the yeah. zip code? Yeah. Though well, just like the city of LA, that's the downtown official LA weather station. Oh, no way. Right there. So go check it out. You're right behind <laughs> it. It's when you zip around that. Then you can go back in the day. You used to be able to get a car through there and there used to be a really sneaky way to get around stuff. But um, I don't know if you can anymore, but that's, that's a cool a, fun fact. Yeah. There you go. And you go back, you see the other side of the tennis courts and the, the, the parking lot back there. You go behind the baseball field and then you can get back over to where like health centers and stuff like that. Super as a shortcut. Anyway, back to where we are today. Today, we bring you another episode featuring one of our really great alumni. This is Jeff Newman. Jeff got his degree in electrical engineering at USC. He graduated in, oh, now I'm forgetting. No, he started in 07. He graduated in 2011 with his bachelor's degree in electrical engineering. He has had a number of really cool creative experiences, starting with technical consulting at Deloitte and doing some really cool things with project management, moved on to do a lot of cool things related to media and engineering and product management from working with the Miami Heat and leading some really cool digital experiences, went on to work 
with the NFL, has done some really cool things with video game platforms, and is also now in the world of crypto. And so we're going to see this really cool kind of evolution of how someone has gone to all these different interesting customer-facing B2B and B2C uh, types of businesses. And I think that it's a a really fascinating conversation because he talks a lot about the idea of, you know, really not knowing what he's doing at any point, but figuring out as he goes and the focus on perseverance. And I think it's for any of you that are, you know, wondering, do engineers always know what they're doing? This is a really great episode to listen to. Anything you want them to hear, uh, to to really listen for here, Maya? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's pretty topical, all the stuff that he's talking about. Like so many people throw out technology, product management, um, project yeah, management. Yeah, these words go out a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really relevant. A lot of people are looking to go into these careers. And I think Jeff does a really good job of explaining like what each of that means, what the differences might be and his own path with it. So I found it really informative, super exciting. Jeff was a great dude. So I highly recommend to anybody interested in any of those things. All right, well, let's get out of the way and hand it over to Jeff Newman. Yo, yo, Paul. What's up, man? <laughs> Starting strong. Oh, yeah. I'm all in this. And look at this. You uh, you may have a better mic and headphone setup than we do. This is this is fantastic. My job, man. I was going to say, uh, we need to dive into this. How are you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing great. It's been, what, how many years? I, 2011. I'm, 2011. I'm gonna... So to 11, 11 years? 11 years, 11 years, 11 years. And you don't look a day older. And I mean that in a good way. This is fantastic. You look oh, great. Thank you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Maya. Nice to meet you. Hello, Jeff. Yeah. Nice to meet you too. I'm getting the nostalgia vibes right now. from your background. <laughs> oh, yeah. Remembering when you were in my position. Oh yeah. RTH. Oh yeah. I miss those days. It was life was easier back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, what is life for you like now, man? I mean, like uh, you got, I think you got kids. Is this right? I mean, two what, children, two children, got a wow. three-year-old and a one-year-old and congratulations. Two, two little, two little boys. Um, two boys. Now that is just a nightmare. Oh yeah. They just <laughs> hammer on each other all the time. So uh, I got one kid, I got one kid who doesn't have any self-awareness. That's the one-year-old, right? Cause they just yeah. kind of destroy things. And then, mm-hmm. and then the three-year-old who's manipulating the one-year-old to do what he wants so it's just a double whammy <laughs> every day. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I will tell you, so, um, uh, we, my wife and I talk a lot about how, like, um, we always, we didn't know whether we wanted a boy or a girl. We have, we have a girl, but now every time we see boys, we're like, Oh, thank God. We never had boys. Like this <laughs> is wild there. It's, we, we have this word, like when there's like play dates and groups of kids around. And I've said this a lot on the, play, on the podcast, but like every time a boy enters, it's like, Oh, boy energy like they just change everything and it's and and it's just yeah they, they just trash stuff and they like to pound on people and it's just they it's run nuts. and they just don't stop and they just yeah you know, throw this break that hit each other fall yeah. over cry really loud mommy yeah. mommy mommy then keep going you know yeah I mean, we deal with different levels of emotions, um, but it's, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely different. Uh, (laughs) It's definitely different. Um, Well, man, hey, congratulations on that. I will tell you, um, the minute that three-year-old gets, hits kindergarten, it's going to be a little bit different too. Um, For some reason, kindergarten just flips a switch. Like get a little older, you know, we have his best friend's a five-year-old and I'm seeing him grow up into a little boy, like a school-age boy, just yeah. a little annoying things, you know, they kind of, <laughs> they grow up a little bit, which is great. Where are you living these days? So uh, during the pandemic, we moved to the Valley 
when my oh, second okay. son was cooking in the oven, we needed more space. Mm-hmm. So we moved from the West side yeah. and we got a house up in Encino. Oh, so, wow. You know, my parent, uh, my parent, my in-laws are about five minutes. Our best friends live in the same neighborhood as us, that five-year-old boy. So yeah, yeah. we tend yeah. to hang out a lot. And then um, I wanted an office because I was going towards fully remote work anyway. Mm-hmm. And it was just easier, especially moving out to the Valley, like trying to commute from there to the West side. Just, I didn't really, I didn't want to be on the road for three hours a day. No. So thankfully I'm in an industry that, you know, enables us to work from home and work in global uh, work with a global workforce and uh, figure out how to solve new, exciting business challenges. Well, I want to talk all about that, but I think that one of the things that I really usually want to do is go back in time, go back through memory lane. And, uh, you know, a lot of our audience uh, are high school students or parents of high school students. Yep. And uh, do you remember high school, Jeff? Do you remember that process of looking at colleges and deciding what you wanted to do? Uh, what did you think you knew then? And, and <laughs> what were you wrong about? What, what was that like? Hey, y'all, sorry for the interruption, but I wanted to let you know that we have a number of campus visit programs available to you right now. If you want to check out what campus is like, if you want to learn more about the Viterbi School of Engineering, go to viterbi.link slash visit. That's V-I-T-E-R-B-I dot link slash visit, where you can learn about our Viterbi visit experiences that happen on most Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We have some virtual events that happen on occasional weekdays and occasional Saturdays. Plus, we have some transfer virtual admission sessions where you can learn all about how to get those courses ready for transferring. We want to meet you. We will have lots of opportunities opportunities to do it and it's happening all summer long, but get your registration in now at viterbi.link slash visit. Hope to see you soon. I was so wrong. That was the <laughs> biggest thing is I was very, very wrong. You know, I was a nerd growing up, video games, um, computers, the early days of DOS and Windows and all of that, right? So I was I was always synced in to all of those things, thanks to mm-hmm. my parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and going through high school, when I started to look at colleges, you know, and figuring out what type of degree I wanted, you know, engineering always was something that was attractive to me, not only because I, I had a sense of like, Hey, if I get an engineering degree, there's a better chance I might get a job after that. Like at its core, I think my parents were happy about that, but yeah, you know, as an 18 year old, you don't really know what that means. Not right. really. Right. So, you know, that was sort of the the two main factors why I chose engineering and why I gravitated towards that was, Hey, I think I have a good future outlook for myself, but also it, you know, related to my interests. And when I was looking at all, all of the call, all of the colleges, you know, you kind of choose which programs you think you're more accustomed to, or that you're more likely to enjoy. Um, and USC had a program for computer engineering, computer science, which I thought was like the perfect combination of things, software and hardware, that I could start to learn. I didn't really you, know. You were, I, you were growing up in San Diego at the time, right? Like you were like Southern California style, but like South. Yeah. Actually North County, San Diego. So North as County. far North as you can get in San Diego. Uh, and still be San Diego. <laughs> Fall, yeah, exactly. Fallbrook high school. Um, and, you know, I think, I think USC re- potentially recruited there. There's a bunch of us who got into USC from my school and we were a pretty small school in the middle of nowhere. So I thought that was pretty interesting to come from high school into college with some classmates that, you know, I'd already known. Um, And in during high school, I think it was, I think a little bit more on that, right. Was 
you know, working, making sure that I was well-rounded, uh, making sure that like I had a sport or I was playing sports. I was doing volunteer work. I was getting good grades. Um, and I was kind of learning how to become an adult at that Mm -hmm. point. You don't, Mm -hmm. you don't really do that until college, in my opinion, but you kind of start in high school, you kind of move away from being a child and you start to become an adult. So, you know, started taking responsibility for like performing well and being the best I could possibly be and not like squandering those years. Cause there's a lot of growth that happens. You don't know it's happening in the moment, but as long as you put effort into that, uh, into whatever it is that you do or anything that you, that you like to do, like you'll come out a better person on the other side. It's way better than doing nothing. So, so always focus on like putting in the effort in whatever it is that interests you. And you know, you have a higher chance of success and in getting into whatever college you particularly want, or if that's not something you're interested in, whatever, whatever your goals are. But for me, getting into college was a huge goal. And USC was always at the top of my list. I just always, I kind of knew that. And it was validated when I went to campus for the first time. Um, there was a vibe. I don't know how else to explain it. There was a vibe yeah. that, that meshed with who I want, who, who I thought I wanted to become. Right. Um, and I, you know, checked out UCLA. I checked out all the schools around California, but there was something about USC that stuck out. Uh, and then on, and that was just like the culture of the school, right? Not necessarily engineering, but then once, you know, I, you know, kind of going through all the different engineering schools and seeing that computer engineering, computer science was something that was really interesting to me at the time. Like that's really what maybe prompted me to apply number one and then be super, super excited when, once that letter came in the mail, like once that letter came in the mail, everything else was out the door. Like I knew this is where I was going, like, accept me. Thank you. Like I'm in. And during that summer, I remember doing the USC. I can't remember, Paul, maybe you remember what it was. It was for incoming freshmen and it was a yeah. program for, uh, yeah, it was summer bridge, summer bridge. I did that highly recommend it. Now we call it the, the summer Institute, but yeah. Great. Highly recommend that for anyone who's who's considering or or has accepted is to engulf yourself in the culture. Like you're going to transform in those four years. Mm-hmm. It's just it's bound to happen, right? And start yeah. for us, it was like for me at least, it was start as early, start early and and just figure out what I was getting myself into, honestly. And it was a great experience. You got to I think we sat in on classes, you got to meet some of your classmates that you saw, you know starting in August or whenever the start date was. Mm-hmm. So highly recommend that program. Um, this funny, this story kind of takes a turn, right? Because at the beginning of school, at the beginning of school, you're not really sure what you're doing. You start taking these classes. Is this really like the right major for me? And I think an, an adv- advice I would give is like, choose, choose a major that you think in the moment is something that you would enjoy doing because what, what you like or what you want to do will change. And yeah. that's okay. It's yeah. almost expected. I think it's rare for someone to know exactly what they want to do when they're 18 years old. So don't stress out too much about it. Right. Do what you like um, and try your best at it. Because I found out very early, my sophomore first semester of sophomore year was when I took my first computer science class. And that was half of my major. And that was the first C that I ever got in my life. Because your first semester, you're taking more of the electrical side of things. You're it was more the general, the general, the general classes and academy. I remember yeah. taking Academy. I remember yeah. taking, you know, I think I took electrical 101, EE 101 instead of yeah. CS 101. Um, and I got it kind of taste the electrical side. Um, but then I got to taste the computer science side. And I f- realized after the fact, <laughs> after, I think like it was it. my midterm. It was the first class I ever dropped. And 
I didn't get a good grade in it or I waived it. I think I waived it. I had one of those options and I'm like, this is not, this is not for me. So I went on the far other side and went electrical engineering degree, analog circuits to stay as far away from coding as possible. (laughs) So like the, (laughs) the, uh, and it's funny, you'll see, we'll get to where like the outcome of that was at the end of college, because that has nothing to do with what I'm doing now or (laughs) anything that I've done in my career. So it just kind of, if you take a second to zoom out for a moment, it's really hard to do that. But in the moment, I didn't do that. But if you can zoom out just for a second and realize that like, that decision isn't the be all end all of everything and like the future of your life mm-hmm. <sighs> calms you down a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, that's some advice for, for anyone watching this. Um, so like fast forward, right. So we're in sophomore year. Uh, some of the things that I would recommend that I've really enjoyed during my time there at USC was involving myself in the engineering school for two reasons. So number one, we all need a little bit of cash. And that was a great way to subsidize kind of college life um, was working for the engineering school. And then the second thing was being able to like help prospective high school students be in the same position that I was. So I joined Viterbi Academy coaches. I joined the Viterbi student ambassadors. I'm not sure if those programs are still there. Some of my fondest memories of college was being a part of those groups, making friends with kind of my classmates that were also a part of it. And just feeling like a leader in the engineering school, that was cool, right? And then you get to feel like a leader and kind of practice your skills on talking with new prospective students, going to career fairs, all these things really prepared me um, for work life, right? It's sort of like my couple jobs that I had in school. And it was great to balance out my college career with that. Like it wasn't all Mm -hmm. studying and play. There was some work in there as well. Um, that helps subsidize whatever, whatever shenanigans I was getting into. Right. So, you know, I highly recommend that really like that stuff. Um, but let's, let's fast forward a year, right. I did that for three years. It was great. And then around junior year is when I started to realize that like engineering, I'm not quite sure I've made out for this. I was getting to some higher level courses specifically around circuit design. You know, I enjoyed it, but I didn't see myself. I was what? 20. 2021 at this point, like a fully fledged, almost fully fledged young adult. And, but something told me that this wasn't what I wanted to do. So I utilized some of the probably most effective resources at USC, in my opinion, is the career fair. And it's not just like holding the career fair. It's the relationships that USC makes with prominent companies that want to hire you. Then they come to you and you get multiple chances every year to meet these people. And I think that's, for me, I wouldn't be where I am today without USC, without the career fair, without un- like learning how to interview and putting in the work because everything has just snowballed since that moment. Hmm. The only reason I got my first job is because Deloitte was hiring from USC and USC had a, like a, a reputation of good candidates. Like that was, had nothing to do with me. I just like rode that wave. So I think yeah. that's something that's like, I don't know if it's underappreciated, but it definitely should be amplified. That those types of relationships that like major colleges have are some of the most valuable things that any of us individuals can like get. So um, you probably get that at other schools too, but like that's my experience. And USC really helped kind of create the human that I am now. You know, it's funny. You talk about, uh, you kind of mentioned real quickly two different timeframes in which imposter syndrome kind of sets in um yeah. and and it's it's 
on the intake in the beginning of engineering coursework, you're like, oh, I was like, he's got hit by a wall. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do here. And then you kind of adjust. You're like, okay, I got it. And then upper division coursework. We're like, it, it's just that idea of like each of those things came at a point in which you felt super comfortable, right? So like you peaked in high school, nailed it. I'm king of the hill. Oh my God, first year. Okay, okay, no, 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 no. Okay, now I got college. This is good. <laughs> oh my God, upper division coursework. What what was the adjustment? Like what did, other than like, yeah, you started looking towards your future and careers. And so that kind of pivoted your perspective a little bit, but what was the, what, looking back on it now, like you said, zoom out, what, what was the element, what was part of you that you were learning about that really created that resilience in you that said, I, I can, no, I can do this. And, and how did you actually adjust to become successful? Like yeah. in, in school, not necessarily in life yet, because you're not there yet, but how did you pivot out of like, I can't do this to, I did it. Yeah. Imposter syndrome. That's really interesting because that never leaves, right? Like we're always on that. We're always on that cycle, regardless of how young you are, how old you are, school, not school. So like recognizing that I was in that moment, like that's how I was feeling in college. No, I didn't have that kind of self-awareness. As no, you never know it till like now, which is the hard, hard part. Like if you knew this then, like, man. Yeah, like I'm 33 now, I kind of can look back and objectively see the decisions that I made and how I was feeling. Go, oh yeah, I'm feeling the exact same way now, you know, yeah. 11 years later, different, different scale or whatever, but, but more or less the same. And, you know, now I know kind of the best way to fight imposter syndrome is by putting in the effort, hmm. continuing to try, putting your head down doing your best, putting in the time. And if I look back on my college career, that's what I did as well. I didn't know I was doing it, but like putting in the effort in the coursework, putting in an effort to go to class, doing the homework, studying, like doing all of those things to the best of my ability um, is the remedy for imposter syndrome because the remedy for imposter syndrome is experience. Yeah. Right. Once you don't, once you have experience, you don't feel like an imposter anymore because now you know what you're doing. And then the next new thing that you're not sure how to do will come and boom, it hits you down again, just like you were showing Paul. Right. So, so it really comes down to effort, um, self-motivation, right. And setting a, like setting a goal and making a plan on how you achieve that at any scale. I would, I would argue actually what's, what's that I agree with you, but kind of a, not a counterpoint, but kind of a, a a parallel point is, um, Imposter syndrome is the impression that you're an imposter, the yeah. perception that you're an imposter. And like self-perception, right? Yeah. Self-perception, right? It's because no one else does. They hired you. Like, yeah. you do yeah. this. You can do this. Uh, <laughs> and it's just this like internal thing that you're dealing with yourself. Like, oh, I don't think I can do this. And putting your head down and doing that creates the perception that you are experienced, oh, <laughs> even though, yeah, even like though you that. already were right. Yeah. It's just like, you had to talk yourself into it. And it's, 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 it, I don't want to call it funny, but it's, it's rather interesting to watch high school students, you know, matriculate into college and struggle. And I know they're going to struggle and I can tell them they're going to struggle. And then they don't believe me. And then I say, okay, this is what you got to do. And, and there's ones that are create resilience out of like, you're right. Let me just focus. And like, Oh no, I do have this. And then I tell them, you know what, what you said, it never goes away. And the, the, the trick is the hard part. The reason it keeps happening is because you keep thinking you nailed it. Like it starts in like elementary school to junior high. You're like, okay, Oh no. Oh, now I got it. You're like, no, no, no. High school starts. No. And now I don't have it. Wait, no, now I got it. No. And then, then I tell people like, yeah, your twenties, man, like the, your twenties are the worst because <laughs> you're out of college <laughs> school's over. Cause you thought that was related to school. Yeah. Yeah. 
but yeah, you go you go into real life, and that it, it gets worse it because gets harder. Actually, yeah, because you're by yourself at that point, and work is harder. And then you start adding other humans into the equation, and <laughs> things are expensive. And like, where am I going to live? And I'm not going to drive three hours a day. Like the the decisions get harder yeah. every single day. And um, my my, how are you dealing with this right now? Is this something you've encountered? I mean, you're usually a pretty, you're pretty cool, cool. You're, you're all cool on the surface. You never look like you're struggling. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh no, that's uh, definitely a false perception. Then um, I think particularly I struggled with this so much in high school that in hindsight I can see very clearly like all the things that I was doing wrong. Um, I think for me it was more like disordered thinking that I was the only one that was feeling that way. Like, oh, yeah. I think the biggest thing about imposter syndrome to me is that idea that you're all alone in this struggling with whatever you're doing, um, that other people totally understand what's going on. They know all these things and you should know them. So I think for me, the the biggest thing is taking a step back and remembering like, yes, I can put my head down. I can go through it. But also like everyone around me is feeling that same way in college. Um, so having these conversations with my friends and my peers, I think has really encouraged me and gotten me through all the, all the hard classes, all the potential C's, the failing of the exams. Well, also this idea of like a C is actually okay. It's actually okay. <laughs> yeah, it's that's, actually that's the other okay. That was not something that was ex- like, something that I accepted for myself growing <laughs> up. And then you realize everything's okay. It'll turn out. Okay. Like those quote unquote failures are where you grow the most. That's where you learn the <laughs> most about yourself. That's where, you know, my, you brought up a great point about like leaning on your community. And I think that's huge, whatever community yeah. that is on a micro scale with an individual or on a grander scale as an engineering school, or even as a university, like that camaraderie you get like mm-hmm. feeling like a, like a Trojan and going to the games and just everyone on the same page in that sense is, is huge for mm-hmm. morale. And I think it's huge as, you know, especially in the moments when things might be more tough, hard mm-hmm. finals, hard homework assignments, whatever. Um, that's a great point. Hey everyone, this is Paul. Sorry for the interruption, but I wanted to let you know about a new feature we just unlocked. It's about sending us questions or comments via text. If you go to your podcast player, check the show notes. There's a link there that says, send us a question or comment. It may be on our next episode. So go in there, send us a little quick text message. Let us know what your questions are. Let us know what your comments are. We'd love to hear from you. So we can't wait to see it. Now back to the episode. Yeah, I found that was a huge thing about the Viterbi community is like all the students around me, they like to share these sort of things. Like we like to feel like it's a cooperative, um, like we're a team studying engineering. It's not cutthroat mm-hmm. at all. It's not you're, like you're competing against your peers. It's not like if they're getting it and you're not, like that's a huge issue. It's like, no, they're there to help you, but also like we're there to share in the same experience. Like we're all on, yeah, Team USC. There you go. I remember that too, 100%. I remember that it not being cutthroat in engineering school. And like we were, we would all, help each other. I was there 07 through 11. 100% concur with that. Agreed. That was like one of the best parts. That's, that was just my experience. So maybe it's not like that in other places, but there was always other people to do these things with. You never had mm-hmm. to do it on your own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just to give you uh, even more credit, Jeff, I, I remember conversations you and I had uh, about you not only really being focused on, on, on working through stuff. Um, but you were, you were focused on 
improving your sense of self as a person and as a leader. And I remember a lot of conversations that we had where you're like, you know, how can I do this better? Like, how can I be just in a weird way? You know, I don't think you ever asked me this overtly, but it's like, how can I be a better person? Mm-hmm. And you were, you were constantly aware of how to improve and be the best you can be, not for the sake of being better than someone else, but just for the sake of like, you know, having some sort of impact in a positive way. And I've, I've always saw that it'd be rather interesting about you that there was something that I don't think you, really uh publicly shared a lot that you're mm-hmm. you're kind of constantly working on yourself even with the email you sent me the other day about about this like you're you're, you're you're working on yourself is that yeah. where does that come from that's a great question um i appreciate you saying that because i don't remember that about myself like i that that specific thing is something that i've picked up cognizant like cognizantly in the last year really like this concept of improving one percent every day this concept of like never, you, you can't really rest, you know, yeah. and being okay with it. it comes with the children that, that part that I'm yeah. in that phase yeah. of my life where you lose that, uh, you lose the time, you lose that sense of identity. Cause now everything's about your children and you got to build that back up. And right. this concept really kind of has resonated for me of like, put in the effort, get better mm-hmm. every day and not to be better than anyone else. You said it's, it's a motivation thing. It's a way to, um, you mentioned the cycles, right. Of up and yeah. down. When you're up here, as long as you're continuing to work, these dips are going to be less severe, right? So it's about not getting complacent. So when you're in this uptrend and you don't want to be, if you get complacent for a second, that's when you dig deeper and it still happens. But being cognizant of that and self-aware that if I continue to work, even when I don't want to, when when I feel lazy at nighttime, in the morning, right? Habits like waking up at five o'clock every day will make you better. Yeah. in the long run. Mm-hmm. So whatever that habit is, um, it's been something that was drilled into me since I was a kid. Honestly, yeah. like that was something my, both my mom and my dad, like was, it was really important to them, um, that I kind of, uh, exhibit those behaviors, which yeah. is like, not just kind of drifting through life, but you have to play a musical instrument. You have to play a sport. You have to get good grades. Cause they knew I was capable of it. And they set these requirements for me, for me to have my video game time or to have Mm, these things that I wanted. Right. So that was sort of the structure that was set up for me as a, in my adolescence. And I think aspects of that have trans transferred into my adult life. And I've need to be reminded like anyone else, uh, remind myself or, you know, gets, get slapped to, to remind myself, but from whoever that is, but even then, like this has been a constant, I guess. And I'm really happy you said that because that's something a decade ago that I didn't re- recognize I had, but maybe it's something I've always exhibited. I think that maybe what it was is now you're aware of like purpose. At the time, it it was much more about you cared about doing a good job. Mm-hmm. And and so there was a sense of quality yeah. um, uh, of how could that have been done better? Not like, how can I make myself better? I, I don't, like I said, you never asked that question. That wasn't what we were talking about. Yeah. But it's like, how can, how can this be done better uh was that good uh, if that makes any sense and there's there's a difference that i've seen a lot in students that are doing it just to go through right here's the motions here's the assignments here's whatever i need to do Mm -hmm. we've even seen vsas that have done that type of stuff or like yeah they show up but like there's ones that are like care and it's 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 quality and care uh are are correlated in some sense so i always appreciated that about you i appreciate that man so you go on 
to work your first job is in consulting. And a lot of engineers go into consulting and a lot of people that go into engineering have no idea what consulting is, or they think like, oh, you gave up on engineering. And yep. so help help shed some light on what consulting is. Cause that's, that's, it's engineering. <laughs> <laughs> it's people engineering, if you yeah. want to think of it that way. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great question. So my journey in particular, like was in June and this, I think this is important. Junior year, I realized something clicked that like, Designing circuits is not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, right? And fill in the blank of whatever that is when you get to that point. I utilize the career fairs again. Like I showed up not knowing what consulting was, sat down at a table with someone from Deloitte and they explained it to me, a USC alum who explained to me what consulting was. And like the best way to describe it is really uh, the intersection between technology, business, and communication. Like you get to be a part of all three of those things. And I thought as the first step in my career, those are things that I can do. And it doesn't require me to freaking code. Sign me up. Like literally, that's how it was. Because I didn't really know what software development was from a non-engineer's perspective, because we're just drilled into our our brains about engineering, 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 which is a good thing. But some of us just aren't made for that. Like, I don't think I would have been successful being that technical, right? I kind of fit this role of being technical enough so that I can have conversations with technical people, Mm -hmm. but then also sitting at the intersection of like executives and other business-minded people that might not understand technology. And I can describe it for them in a way that they understand, right? Whether it's in the context of business value or specific like business metric or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Those, I was able to fit that role. And some people can do that. Um, and consulting in particular is a great route for someone who might not want to be technical, still likes technology, right? But still wants to be part of quote unquote tech. Cause I know that's like a big word that people mean, oh, let's, I want to join tech. Well, what does that mean? It means a lot of different things. I happen to choose a path that allowed me to be a part of teams that built software, but not have to physically build the software myself. And mm-hmm. that is, um, and we'll jump a little bit more into that, I think, as yeah. we go along, but yeah. That's what really what consulting is, is you work for clients that have a business problem that requires a technology solution and people to deliver that technology solution for them. You get to be a part of a team, not necessarily an engineer. You could be an engineer if you want to, uh, like a software engineer that gets to work for those clients and figure out what the project is and then deliver it for them. So at the end of the day, they have a piece of working software that you helped build. Let's talk a little bit about project management um, yeah. from a from a technical standpoint, or maybe you can shed some light on this. Is a word that gets used a lot, and I know that you have great experience in is Scrum. Yeah, and and specifically in in software development, specifically in project management. Help, help explain what Scrum is. Is it something that's used everywhere? Uh, is is it is it just a fancy word for something that just makes sense to make a machine work? Like what? <laughs> help us understand what Scrum is because it's thrown around a lot if you're oh, around technical goodness. people. Oh yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Scrum. So at the beginning of my career, for probably the first uh, five or six years, I worked within project management. Yeah. After that, we we should actually we should talk about product management as well after this because I think. Oh yeah, let's understand. Yeah, that's next. Mm-hmm. Thing. If that project management is something than product management. Absolutely. And this is an interesting conversation. So just a quick overview. Like Scrum was developed by. Uh, in early 2000s, I don't know if you know this story. They were in early 2000s at a hotel in Utah. A bunch of like enterprise leaders came together for a convention and said, 
man, it sucks the way that we have to plan and deliver software in the 90s. Is there a better way? And they all came together. They wrote something called the Agile Manifesto. And they wrote a big document that all came out of that one event. And from there, it just propagated out to everybody. So that's when it started early 2000s. I picked it up in like 2013. 2013 or 2014, when my clients started saying, Hey, there's this scrum agile thing. We want to run our projects in this way. So mm-hmm. I self-taught myself and that is 100%. I would recommend the best way to learn scrum and, and project management is to learn it yourself and then apply it. So like scrum at its core is just a project management framework, a list of steps and processes that a team can follow to deliver a piece of software to deliver a feature. It's different iterations and variations of what Scrum and Agile can be. You can combine the, let's say, traditional project delivery methodology called Waterfall with Scrum and call it Scrummerfall or hybrid Agile. There's all these terms that are flown out, right? But at its core, all Scrum is, is a set of processes that people should are recommended to follow that help a group of humans organize themselves to deliver a piece of software. That's literally all it is. Is it is it built for capabilities of iteration? Is it built for capabilities of um, uh, kind of reproduction? Like, for example, let, let's let's keep it in the podcast. Yeah, Maya manages a team of people for a podcast. Is is that you know in 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 episode production and delivery and launch? Is that something that you do Scrum for each one? Uh, is that is that too big of a thing, or is that? Because you're really kind of trying to get one big thing to to ship, right? And then you're done. Yeah. Scrum can be used in that way. It's generally referred to... The reason it was invented was because people were shipping these big pieces of software and it took months, years to do it before any user saw it. So the idea is, can we get smaller chunks of, of, of software out the door faster in the user's hands to get their feedback quicker? Instead of us thinking that we know better... Let's put smaller chunks of usable software that might not give you everything that you need, but it is enough for us to understand whether or not there's value, potential future value there, or if it was a flop. If it was a flop, we only wasted you know, a short period of time instead of us building this gargantuan right. piece of software that no one wants to use, which happens all the time. What are, what are sprints in relationship to Scrum? Uh, because this is this happens a lot where people are like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go into a sprint," and I'm like, yeah. "So you so now you're gonna start working? Like, what what were we doing before that?" So think so think of Scrum as the idea. Got it. Scrum is the idea of the way to organize people. That's it. Okay. Right. Sprint is like an, a mechanic of Scrum. Scrim all a sprint is is a time box period of time. Where okay. that's it. Like think two weeks, one week, three weeks. A sprint is just a period of time where a team decides what they're going to do within that period of time. Okay. And that's all it is. And then within those periods of time, there's processes that are involved to like, we're going to have a daily standup every day during a sprint. We're going to have a sprint planning meeting on the first day of the sprint and a sprint review meeting on the last day. And you know, we'll sprinkle in a retrospective at some point in time. Sprint time box. Those processes of Scrum fill the time box, and then all the people follow the process, do their job during that time box to deliver a piece of value at the end of that time box. That's all it is. Got it. And then how does that translate to the positions you, or does it translate to the positions you took after that? Because you were at Deloitte for a little while, and then you went into... I, I am going to minimize this and not get it right. But like, I just see you as this guy who's in digital media 
entertainment, engineering, kind of in between the two. And you kind of do that across a number of different avenues and vendors or, or, or businesses. That is true. So I've kind of been a chameleon since I, since I left Deloitte. And like yeah. one of the key things I learned after college doing like working at Deloitte, I was there for five years. And then I worked at a local agency, like a smaller digital agency uh, for two. So almost two. So almost six years of consulting experience. All that means is that I worked on behalf of a client. A yeah. client came to the business. They wanted work done. They didn't have the people to do it. They hired us to do it for them. That's all. That's like the main thing of consulting, right? But after that, I wanted to be on what we call the other side of the table, not the consulting side, but the other side, working for an actual company. And Paul, you're right. Like I've kind of had a, a whole bunch of different types of jobs. So I worked at the NFL <laughs> for uh, almost two years. And there I was leading our video, our video team. So this <laughs> is when I started my product management career, which I'll I'll double back to that. Um, and that was awesome, kind of working to deliver live video to millions and millions of people to consume live football, right? And everything that goes along with that. Uh, spent a little bit of time there, but my other passion has always been video games. So I joined a gaming company next uh, called Scopely. They are a mobile free-to-play publisher. That means that they work with gaming studios around the world to publish mobile games to the app store. And then within these mobile games, there's a lot of mechanics that enable them to make money, right? My job was sitting on a central platform team. So not actually building games. I was on a central platform team that was helping to support the studios to build their games. Okay. So we gave capabilities um, to these studios at a reduced cost or even free so that they didn't have to worry about it because they're part of Scopely and they can just focus on building up like a cool game. <laughs> and we kind of were that service group in the middle, understanding their problems, building software that would support them in building a game or operating a game at mobile at like world scale, yeah, at large scales. Yeah. Um, from Scopely, uh, I spent some time at a startup. So I've, one cool thing about my career is I've been at Deloitte that had 200,000 people down to this job, this is my last job, uh, which was called Maestro, that had 50 people. Wow. So really the gamut of everything in between. This was also a product role. And this is where, um, based on my relationships I built at the NFL, this, this job was all about building an all-in-one interactive video live streaming product for creators, for content creators. Just mm -hmm. when I have this setup, I wanted to buy the things that my users would actually be using the software that I built, built for them. Yeah. So I wanted yeah. to put myself in their shoes, which is why I have all this stuff. Uh, I spent about a year there. And then recently, I've had an opportunity to uh, get my feet wet in the crypto industry. So that's where I've been working in for the last three months, a company called Kraken. Uh, and been jumping around since, since I started. Since I left Deloitte, I don't think I've spent more than two years at a job. And that's just the path that I've taken, right? There's, depending on you know what the market is doing, we're always trying to stay challenged and stay fulfilled and do something that interests us. And me in particular, like as things changed at whatever company I was at, a new opportunity came up that get, got, had, they provided me an opportunity to like work in a different industry, make more money or whatever. Yeah. I would take it because I wanted to continue to challenge myself. Why, why do something that I was unsure about when I had this other thing that check, checked off a bunch of boxes that would be helpful for myself, for my family? Let's just go. Let's, let's just go and do it. And that's sort of been my mantra since the beginning, right? So um, that's been my career. 
happy to jump into product or what, what do you yeah, want to talk about? I want to know the product. We teased that earlier. So like we went from project management to product management and the differences between that. And what what is that all about? Yeah. So this is an interesting conversation as well. So there's two different, there's lots of different roles within software development in particular, right? There's the engineers who are building things mm-hmm. uh, in various languages. Then there's a bunch of non-technical roles. Let's say less technical roles than the engineers. Project management and product management are two of those roles. So there's also a lot of other things like designers and marketers and quality assurance people and all sorts of things. But the difference between project management and project and product management um, is pretty simple. The difference is project management is is, uh, expected to deliver a piece of software at the end of the day. The product manager is expected to bring value to the business at the end of the day. We're accountable for increasing business metrics, whether that's making money, uh, bringing in more users, or having our users retain longer. Like we're starting at that level and thinking about the problem that we're trying to solve that will bring value to the users and the business. The project managers are kind of taking these ideas that we're coming up with, that we're specking out, that we're designing with these designers and saying, hey, this is what we want to build. The product managers are are expected to understand why we're doing we're making these decisions and building this thing. Yeah. We then hand it to the project managers and say, "Hey, this is what we want built. This is how it's supposed to be built. The engineers are going to do these certain things. I need your help in making sure that all these things get done. That potentially within a Scrum environment, they're running the daily standups." They're the ones who are working day in and day out with the engineers to make sure that they're working on the right things. They're the ones, if the engineers have a question or they need to talk to somebody, we call it blocked. You've been blocked. The project yeah. manager is the person that unblocks them. Yeah. And they're kind of there day in and day out throughout the sprint or whatever process you're using to make sure that the goals that the product manager set up at the beginning of the sprint are being met by the end. And they're the ones that are raising status. If something happens, they're the ones that kind of escalate it to the product manager. Um, and they're the ones that are like the, the detailed tactical, de- sorry, tactical detail oriented members of the team. They're the leaders. They're the ones that are making sure this stuff gets done. While the product managers are thinking about the next thing, they're trying to solve the next problem. They're potentially, you know, as a product person, you're really close to the customer. So we are doing customer interviews. We're learning from them. We're working with the research teams to like formulate different surveys or different research cycles to answer hypotheses that we have, assumptions that we have, yeah. right? We're kind of thinking, we're, we're forward-looking. We're the ones setting the strategy and understanding why we want to go in a certain direction or not. Maybe there's a market opportunity. Maybe there's a lot of users that we think we can gather. Maybe there's something new in the industry that's happening right now that we think we want to be first in. Like we're the ones that are trying to think, how do we create value for the business? Project yeah. managers are thinking, how can I deliver this value as fast as possible at a high quality? Got Does that make sense? And so yeah. that's sort of yeah. the, the difference. And I started off in project management and like naturally evolved into product. And there's yeah. like hierarchies and all of these things, right? You get really, you start off in project management, you get really, really good. Then you start off in product management. And you become more tactical at first. And then as you grow in your career, you realize and you're expected to become more strategic, forward-looking, thinking more right. about why we're doing stuff instead of what we're doing. 
you call that you call them you call them non-technical rules or less technical rules, but really it takes a technical person to be part of that. I mean, it takes an engineering know. background to do that. So I want to make sure I specify that. It's not like you just come out of like some other type of program and be like, I'm gonna go be a product manager for a highly technical product. <laughs> no, no, that's a great point, right? Like being technical in the engineering, my first project I ever got at Deloitte was because the hiring manager for the who the person who was staffing the project saw that I had an electrical engineering degree. Yeah. He didn't know anything about me. All he saw was that electrical engineer, oh, I think he can do it. Like this was yeah. for a quality assurance role on my first project. Nothing to do with electrical engineering. Just the fact that I had that on my resume was enough for my first manager to say, I think he can do it. And that's that's the value of an engineering degree in a nutshell, right? That micro decision yeah. started me off on my entire career. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah. Thank you, USC. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Jeff, I want to dive in. So when you were talking about uh, being a project manager, transitioning to product, was that something that you knew that you wanted to do? Or was there like, were you interacting with different product managers while you were working in more of a project management role? And that was, you were like, oh, this could be something I'm interested in. Um, Two reasons. So after doing project, I was a scrum master for actually three years of my time at Deloitte. So, uh, and doing that for a while on large scale projects, I had felt like I had mastered it. I had felt like I wasn't growing, like I had plateaued. So I had a decision to make. Do I want to like become a manager of project managers and kind of go that route and continue in this like delivery role? Or did I want to explore something new that was a little bit more creative, um, a little bit more strategic, something completely something that I had no experience in really? but that like was built off of what I've learned so far with project management. Plus um, product managers make higher salaries at the end of the day, <laughs> if you continue going in that direction. So, so knowing that I was what, 25, 26, like that was the right time to make that jump happen naturally. I just applied for a product manager role, like a, like a junior product manager role at the NFL as a contractor because I knew I needed to get my foot in the door. This was after Deloitte. This was after all these things. Like I still needed to go in as a contractor because I was unproven. And that's how I got my start too, was like, I'm just going to do this. I, I don't care that it's a contractor role. I get the product manager uh, experience. And that's what I knew I wanted. Like fast forward up to now, it, that was the best decision I made ever. That's awesome. When you... Uh think back or even when you when you started thinking about this idea of this podcast um i'm sure uh, that that memory lane you talked in the beginning about like vibes what do you what are some of your best memories going back to usc uh what, what's popping in your head right away when you think back to that those time in college uh my friends and the house that we had on 29th street okay we had this little we had this little uh it was on ellendale like 29th and ellendale yeah and we used to call it the hacienda we set couches in the front. Next time you go through 29th, you'll see that yellow house, that yellow Hacienda house. My goodness, that was, that was, those were the key memories for my entire college career. I met my wife at USC. We were all part of the same group of people. Um, it was great to now, you know, fast forward 11 years and see all those people that we had partied with and that we lived with and that we all hung out together for many years. And like, we're all still here. Everyone's getting married or having kids and living all over the place. So it's the memories of that house. It's the memories of every single week and the weekends and those things you I can never take away. So like the Hacienda lives on 
-hmm. when you ever go back to campus or if you plan to go back on campus or at some point you're going back on your own memory lane, where do you want to go eat? Oh, I want the, the club sandwich from, I don't it's new now. What was a, not McCarthy quad, but it was new as when I was the village. No, no, no. It's in the middle of campus next to the bookstore, the campus center, the campus center. There's a restaurant right there on the corner that has this really good, like, yes, club sandwich. Oh, really? Bacon and avocado. And I would get that every (laughs) single day. As long as I could, if I've ever could, I would get that every single day. The other thing I remember was freshman year was before all the new development happened. And the year before we had that dome. The lot. Oh, that's right. The lot. Wow. My freshman year was the first year that, or it was the last year that we had that restaurant. Uh, Upstairs Commons. Upstairs Commons. And there was a Carl's Jr. on campus. (laughs) That's where I gained my freshman 15. Was that Carl's (laughs) Jr. on the other side of Commons? It was. uh, (laughs) You lived through the transition of old student union through the lot and you got to see the campus center? Yeah. That's an amazing time period because so many people people only know it before or after. Not yeah. very many people know it like in that transition. Oh, seven to eleven. That was literally the transition where we got the the short end of the stick with the lot for two for half of my college yeah. career. Because so what- my what ended up happening is that like what what the, if you go back and look at photos, the student union t- uh, campus center and all that stuff like that wasn't there. Mm-hmm. It was just a building called uh, Commons, and in Commons there was like a couple places to eat, and then there was like downstairs commons which is like a basement and like i remember it's that total 90s vibe it was mm-hmm. just like it was like a la salsa back in the day if i remember correctly and uh, then there's a carl's jr outside and it was just it was just all pieced together anyways everything is so much better now like you got rid of that but tearing that down meant like that was the one of the main eating areas on campus was gone and so what they did is they they created like a two or three year temporary tent yeah this yeah. like big dome it was like it wasn't a tent but it was it was like a it was like a structure and like half an egg that was half it really a was. field long yeah in the parking <laughs> lot in the parking lot in front of sgm and yeah. gfs mm-hmm. that was just this big like dome it looked like uh like the crash site of an alien spaceship yep. or something yep. Like, yep. So, like they're doing research in there and you would walk in and it was this like temperature control place where they basically put pop-ups of all of the different food arenas in there. And I, I totally remember that. It's so crazy. <laughs> Especially when it would rain, like random days would rain. It was like so crowded in there because you had to get in there and get food, but then you didn't want to leave. That was my experience. Yeah. Those were the, the lot years, I guess. Wow. That is crazy. I can't remember. I can't believe I, I forgot all about the lot. That's <laughs> Oh man. My do you have any other questions? Anything that you were curious about that you wanted to get in there? I'm just gonna say that's hilarious. I just looked up the dome. This is, I can't believe that's what that's what it was like. That's what it was like. Then I'm awesome. yeah, I'm from the age of the village. So that's that's like that was my first experience yeah. with campus. Yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, you're in the village age. The campus center is nothing to you. Is that you have Jeff? Have you have you been? Oh, back I've been there. Yeah, that came been. after I left, of course. <laughs> like a year or two after they tore down all the, the UV and they tore yep. down uh the superior and the movie theater and they put mm-hmm. really nice shops because now it's yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were, that, that was back in the day. That was when, when people tell me when I talk about food and they tell me the, the sandwich from sandwich Island, that's how I know they're as old as I am because <laughs> that, that was the, the Turkey avocado from sandwich Island. Now that was the, that was the jam back in the day. That was the old UV. <laughs> what about the Mongolian barbecue place? 
Oh, that's right. Yes. That's right. That yes. was delicious. They would yes. pile up. You would eat for days on that one setting. <laughs> I forgot about that. Once. Great for the Saturday or Sunday morning. Let's just say exactly. That. Exactly. Those are. And then, uh, yeah, this is like when I would eat what, like 3000 calories in a meal. Um, the, uh, the, the three item combo at red dragon, which was over on 30th and fig, which is out. It's not there anymore. We don't have an Indian restaurant on Vermont. Oh wow. yeah. 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 Masala, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, you're I right. think that's still there. there. It's still we there. We would walk it's there because it was on the same street as 29. Yeah, it's just, just down the block. There. The Trojan card, you get two for one. Great. Yeah. Great for students. Good times. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Jeff, you have been so phenomenal. Uh, I always like to end these with a quick lightning round set of questions. Are you ready for the lightning round? Let's do it. Okay, so here we go. Start the timer and we're off. Tapas or pasta? Pasta. Ask permission or beg forgiveness? Forgiveness. If the toilet paper roll is really low, but not completely out, do you replace it or leave it for someone else? Leave it. How many redheads are you friends with? One. <laughs> she changed her hair, so I'm not sure. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the type of triangle with two equal sides called again? Equilateral. No. <laughs> Isosceles. There we go. We got correction. <laughs> Equilateral <laughs> square, right? <laughs> Most engineers get this wrong. Uh, what's your favorite carnival food? Turkey leg. Ooh. Name a word that starts with the letter Q. Quantify. Ooh. Climb a mountain or jump from a plane? Climb a mountain. If you were really hungry, would you eat a bug? Yeah. Did you go to sleepaway summer camp as a kid? No. How long can you hold your breath for? About 30 seconds. I just checked it. <laughs> <laughs> my son's, you know, he's trying to do it. So I'm like, how long can I hold my breath? Competition, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen a kangaroo in person? Yeah, I think so. At a zoo, probably once. Right, yeah. When people stand up for a standing ovation, are you usually one of the earlier people to stand up or one of the later? Oh, it depends. I'll say later. The later. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, you killed the lightning round questions. <laughs> you didn't get any wrong as far as I'm concerned. Jeff, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate you doing this. I think it's so cool to to hear from people like yourself that has gone through this process and that journey that you went on. And I really appreciate you, you know, telling people about your challenges and being so honest and, and forthcoming about how challenges are real, struggle is real, but the idea of persevering is not as easy as just saying I'm going to do it, but finding that community, finding that group of people to be part of it, and and really focusing on the fact that like maybe we adjust what is the answer of success and and what is the definition of failure, uh, yeah. and that's really where it comes from. And, and I think that you grade, you created some great insight into helping people understand how the profession of engineering is not necessarily engineering on your business uh, card uh, and, and the types of problems that you solve and how you use that degree program. And I, I wish you the best of luck in all of your ventures and all the things you're going to be doing and continued success. Uh, and, and I really hope that we see each other in person real soon. Let's do that, Paul. All nice right. to see you again. And Maya, nice to meet you. Yeah. Thank you guys for uh, the opportunity. I had a blast. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it, buddy. We'll see you soon. Till next time. Bye. Welcome back, everybody. What'd you think? Good? Absolutely fantastic. I I really enjoyed listening to Jeff. Um, I... I know I said this at the intro at the beginning, but like even every time I listen to this podcast, I just learn new things and really helps inform me of like what I might want to do in the future and calms me down if I don't know what that is right now. 
Yeah, I think, you know, what's cool. I did not expect a lesson in uh, understanding how to do project and product management, but I was, I was all here for it. It was great. It was really cool. I think it really helps people explain those words, those terms mm-hmm. that come out all the time. Like, oh, I, I'm an engineer, but I'm in project management. I'm in pro-. You kind of get the sense, but he, he really specified some really cool details there and kind of gave you a much, uh, almost like a shadowing of like what he does, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. And also how it... Um, impacted each of those individual businesses and the product that they're trying to go for or the project that they're working on, which I thought was really kind of interesting and how he has moved from seemingly different industries, but done a lot of the same work, which I Mm -hmm. thought was really great and how it takes an engineering background to do those types of things and to be able Mm -hmm. to jump into those types of diverse backgrounds and areas and really be successful at it and, and, and pivot. And he talked about it at the end where it's like he, his first job, he was hired just because he had an electrical engineering degree and uh, not knowing to think about him. That was one of my uh, favorite comments of this whole, this whole thing. So that was really cool. Mm-hmm. You are doing a lot of this stuff though, right? With ISE, this idea of product and project management and, and looking at those types of jobs in the future, but you, you like healthcare. So I don't know, was this helpful to you? Yeah, it was super helpful. Um, I, I think right now too, like I have an idea of things that I'm interested in, but yeah. um, I don't know how I'm going to combine all those things in the future. And seeing Jeff, like just at his core, being interested in learning new things and challenging himself, that really resonated with me. I think that's something that I am also interested in. And it's like continually learning new things, moving around to a different industry. Because um, right now, like what I tell you that I want to do, I am guessing that will change by the end of yeah. college in the next two years. So cool to hear that variety of experiences and I think product project management, you could apply that to healthcare, just find a company that's doing something really cool in that space. So there are different tools that you can use to attack a different issue that you're interested in. So interested in exploring different tools to work in healthcare. I just thought of someone we need to pull onto the podcast that is going to tie all of that together for you. Mm -hmm. Well, you've had two hits thus far with me. I've loved all the people you've invited. So I cannot, <laughs> cannot wait to hear who else you're inviting. Well, I, that's what I was going to ask is that it, it, just in two episodes, we've got two different alumni that really kind of gave some interesting lessons. And I was kind of curious, is this, is this interesting to you? And are you feeling more comfortable about the unknown, I guess is really the idea or has it changed your perspective at all? Yeah, definitely. Because um, I think we went into this a little bit in this episode with imposter syndrome, Yeah. but um, it's totally okay to not know what you want to do and to take that step-by-step as long as, like Jeff said, just put your head down, do the work, do a good job, do the best you can. But um, at the end of the day, know that you're not alone in that struggle. So it's been, it's been a really great lesson from both of them and seeing where they've ended up is really inspiring. Cool. Awesome. And and now I, I'm going to reach out to this other person that I know that will tie together project management, product management, and healthcare. Because uh, I just thought of somebody that does exactly, has done exactly that. So I'm really excited to see where this is going to go. Now you gave me a good idea. So we're going to figure that one out. Awesome. Reach out to him. Uh, hey, if you are a prospective student or a parent of a prospective student, are you joining us for any of our upcoming events that are happening throughout the month of September and October? If you are not, or you don't know what I'm talking about, head straight over to our website, viterbiadmission.usc.edu. That's going to give you so much stuff. We got stuff happening on campus a couple of days a week. We've got virtual programming a couple of days a week. We've got stuff happening on weekends and on evenings in various cities across the country and internationally. Um, you know, I'm going to be on a plane for most of September. So, well, I'll, I'll be flying around a lot. My staff will be flying around a lot. You see a lot of us out there. And we would love that opportunity to meet you and tell you a little bit more about our program. So please head over to our website, viterbiadmission.usc.edu. 
www.edu.edu. Uh, you can go to slash events or it's just right on the homepage. Or if you really, if you need a shorter link, it's viterbi.link slash events. So I, I got short, I got short URLs. I got long URLs. I got QR codes, but they're hard to describe over a podcast. Uh, it's like one dot, two dots, three dots. You know, it, it's hard to get into. So let's, let's just go to the link. Anyways, I hope you are enjoying the podcast and you know what? We will see you next week with a whole other episode with a whole other topic and some other things to discuss. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you next time.